This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from central Dunedin by Cheryl Adams. Cheryl is the chief executive of Animation Research, and she's just back from the Prime Minister's trade mission to the US. Welcome, Cheryl. Kia Lovely to be here. We'll get on to talking about going to the US. We'll talk about being here first. How was your bubbles experience? Oh, it was probably a game of two halves, my bubbles experience. So on the 13th of March, um, we had a team over at the Players' Champs in the US, being our first major of the, the year. And I also had a team over in Australia doing cricket. And we got a call after day one that um, the the Players' Champs was, was off. And so I needed to get about 13 people home from Australia and the US inside the window, although I did insist that they go into self-isolation themselves, which was a debate in itself. So I rang an Airbnb and she said, oh, have you got space for 13? Um, they're coming from the US. I think that's okay, maybe. Um, and and get, get, get them home. But what it meant for us as a company is that we had lost 90% of our income. And that was pretty significant for us. And I'm eternally grateful to our landlord here for giving us rent relief while we were in, in lockdown um, but we also needed to reduce our costs and the biggest cost of course is people's salaries and so I looked at that and decided that I wanted to do it in an equitable way and so anybody who earned less than 60k kept 100% of their salary and it went down from there so our top earning person um, had a cut of 50% of their salary. So that was all happening at work and trying to keep the team happy and you know contented um big message to everybody in my team was that their job now was to look after their families that was part of their job description and that that meant you know different things for different people because i had some some of our, our young travelers of course had nothing to do and then there was others who had young families or um school-age kids who were trying to look after them and still still had some some work to do um but we we got got through all of that um, and then we needed to think about as a team what what happens if sport starts and we can't get there. And so our head of innovation, John Wendell, decided that we needed to be able to do it from here in Dunedin. And we built a system where, which looks like an, an OB truck, an outside board faced truck, um, here in our offices. And now we deliver. Um, sport from that every week from here in Dunedin as well as having some people traveling so that was my work I said it was a game of two halves that was my work bubble at home I, I live 
in reasonably rural Dunedin, where our Wi-Fi's um, cellular Wi-Fi, and had two intermediate boys, um, myself and my partner, who happens to be a building services engineer, and he was busy trying to help hospitals work out how they could create isolation wards out of the spaces they, they already had. Um, and we only, we've always limited, you know, only one person in our house can stream anything at a time because our cellular Wi-Fi is not. So now we were trying to schedule um, the children's Zoom calls to stay connected with their classmates uh, and our, our work Zoom calls. And so there was quite a complex sort of system <laughs> whereby we were trying to, to, to make that all work from, from, our, from our bubble. So um, that was um, also somewhat, somewhat challenging, uh, but we, we got through and um, yeah, no, nobody, nobody was killed in the process. And I think that that's probably how best I could describe my bubble life at home. You got to go on some good walks because, like us, Mihiwaka is local. Yes, and it was interesting because in those in the first two weeks, I thought, well, I, I live on what I, you know, friendly call a no lifestyle block, and so in theory, I could exercise inside the, our, our boundaries, but we pretty quickly discovered that that was not healthy for us as a family, and so, like you say, Mihiwaka is um, closer to us than the supermarket. And so well within in, um, in distance for us to go and exercise, and that was a beautiful place to to go and just to to reflect on on the world and be grateful for the wonderful place that we live. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. Why this one? Well, this this one's probably been a bit of an anthem um, for, for my life. So I was, I was uh, listening to it through through high school. Um, it's always reminded me about doing more, and um, that that line, you know, did you did you trade um, a, a walk in part of the war for for life in a cage? It, it reminds me to to keep on looking for the, for the better. Um, but also, it's it's something that my partner and I have shared a love of Pink Floyd. So we've been to Roger Waters when he was in Christchurch, and then again when he came to Dunedin. And um, now, just recently, my partner's picked up the guitar, and so the song is usually the first one he plays when he picks up the guitar, and so hear it in all sorts of wonderful places as we travel. So I love it. think he could tell heaven from hell blue skies from 
Can you tell a green field from a cold steel rail? A smile from a veil. Do you think you can tell? So Cheryl, after the initial lockdown and sport started up again, did you have people travelling quite quickly? We did. In fact, we were probably one of the first companies to, to have people travelling. And so we needed to work very closely with our insurance um, company to make sure that we had cover in place and what what cover we had because yeah, ambulances won't, and I believe still won't, travel, travel somebody with, with COVID. So we needed to make sure we had 
abilities to do that, but also our clients were working in very strict bubbles because this was, of course, pre-vaccine, and so there would be A team and B team, and never the train shall meet, not even in a rental car, travelling from event to event. And so we we did have have people travelling reasonably soon, but far fewer than what we would normally have. So we would normally have at least two people at each golf event, and when the PGA started up, we just had one, but of course we then needed to have a spare um, for a while, and now that's turned into one person for, for each event. But has it changed yeah, how you? Just harder. Yeah, has it changed how you work as a business? Absolutely. So our, our I think our carbon fr- footprint now is oh, it's got to be down by at least ninety percent. Uh, we have the ability now with having operations here in Dunedin that people can have a job as an operator and it be and also own a house whereas if you were traveling I mean it's great it's great fun when you're young and single on the road and, and especially if you love golf uh, traveling to all the golf tournaments I mean it doesn't get much much better than that however it was always a job that was only uh, two three three years tops for, for somebody to go through and, and now we've got one of our senior people who has got his house here in Dunedin and he yes he has to work night shifts because we don't know exactly what time zone we're in but he's able to do that and it's great to have that also we can train people here and so we've um, establishing a relationship with the Tiger Polytech that's part of their um, sports analyst course where we're going to be accredited to provide some of the hours that goes into that and a great way for people to see and learn and discover whether TV broadcast is something that they want to get into. So it's it's changed our business synonymally. And without the pandemic, our clients would never have wanted to take the risk of us not being there. So I, I do see it as a as an opportunity. And now that we've proven that it works, I, and that tech, tech can do just about anything. And I think that you change some of the rules, like okay, you can't travel and all of a sudden we come up with solutions for them. And the tech does work. You can do real time. Absolutely. So we've we've built a system. We used AWS to bring the video back from from the course. And so there's about usually about nine cameras that we'll we'll bring back. So video directly from the course. Um, Plus we've got the main feed and the the commentaries and the, the, the guys ears. Um, and then we've separated our system and I'll, I'll simply, it's a bit like it's a, it's a long KVM, so a KVM being a key- keyboard um, video mouse. So we're, we're clicking keyboards and moving mouse, mouse, making mouse movements here or our operators are. And it's just that information that's been sent back across the world to, to produce the graphics. So we do have machines, computers sitting on, on site that are then delivering the output rather than, than us bringing video back here and then sending it back which would be um, one a lot of traffic and but two would would provide it's more latency and we want to be more real time than that and as you say it's a thing you probably wouldn't have trusted or that your clients wouldn't have trusted they would have insisted on you being there yes yes absolutely would have insisted on us being there and now that we've been able to demonstrate it that works Obviously, wherever we do it, we do need good internet connection, and so some of the European tour events are a bit harder harder to do. But it's it's improving, and we've um, now done some cricket um, remotely as well. We're talking about doing um, NFL remotely. Um, we'll be doing a sailing event in a couple of weeks, or completely um, keel week, completely from here. And previously, we would have shipped 
shipped gear and people up to, to um, Europe to do that event. So it's it's given us significant flexibility and it means that our broadcasters, clients, uh, spending money on the output instead of accommodating people uh, and take, take, say, Augusta, for example, either side of the tournament's hotel is probably $200 a night. The week of the tournament, you're paying at least six or $700 a night for a hotel, and it's just money that, that we don't need, need to spend for those services any longer. So we can go anywhere in the world except your house? Yes, yeah, my house is not ideal. So it was definitely when we when we came to the second back up, second lockdown. And I, I know that um, not all New Zealand only had two lockdowns, but luckily here in Dunedin we did. Uh, it was interesting. Just oh, I don't know. I was getting this feeling that that um, Delta was going to escape, and I sat down with the team. And I said, okay, so if Delta escapes and we get to lockdown again, can we do this from our houses now that we've built built this system? Because our Clients overseas aren't going to accept that New Zealand's in lockdown. You know, the events are going to keep going. And we, we talked about it. Well, actually, there's a whole lot of tech and obviously really big, fat internet pipes coming into the building here. And I said, okay, so then we're going to have to get the teams to the, you know, the team to live, live in the office. And they sort of looked at me as if I had two two heads. And so, hence the bed plan, as I called it, was was developed. It was the, the Friday before. I said, okay, so if that happens, what do we need? Do I do I need to go out and get a couple of trundle beds? Do we need to get any groceries? Because we've got a shower and we've got a, a wee sort of small beach top, I suppose, a pie warmer type thing in a microwave. And not much. And we, we went, well, I think that we'll get at least six hours. And in six hours, we can bring in a, a couple of beds from people's houses and, and um, organise it. And sure enough, on the Tuesday, after we'd had that conversation on the Friday, the bed plan needed to be enacted. And three guys did, we're, we're happy to come in and um, live in the office and our boardroom turned into their living room. I, I suspect there was dance parties, I'm sure, but no, they, had, had, there was, they, they were having a great time. And of course, um, because they were away from home, I was pay, paying them as we do, we pay a per diem. And so they had plenty of money to spend at the supermarket and, and keep themselves um, fed and entertained while, while delivering golf. And I honestly, uh, all three of them, I think they, they loved the experience, made some great stories, made it to one news. And so that's always a good thing too. So we've successfully demonstrated that you don't need to be in places, but you've also just disproved that by going to the States. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> and uh, I, I knew you were going to going to um, identify the irony of that. And so, yeah, what what was special about that that trip? And um, I'm very conscious that here here in New Zealand, you know, agree or disagree with the the borders being closed, it's made doing business harder, much harder. And we're now in a situation where we need to make sure that the world knows that we're we're back open and, and available because um yeah we've 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 got to got to run to catch up in, in places and it, yes it has certainly saved lives um, we need to make sure that we're looking after after our businesses and i think there's still a number of businesses that will really struggle this year and so that that was um what that trip was about or, or one of the key things for, for that trip and um I think uh, our Prime Minister has rock star status in the US. And it was time and time again on, in events that I was at, you, you saw we had very influential people from um, the communities we were in, like Seattle, the head of Boeing and, and all sorts that were in the room because of, of um, Prime Minister Ardern 
being there. And that meant that, the, that the, my colleagues, the other business delegates and I, had huge opportunities to, to meet and network with people that we wouldn't otherwise. The other thing that the trip um, did, the way, the way it's, a, it's a combination of um, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, Ministry of um, Foreign Affairs and Trade and the Prime Minister's Office that determine what the makeup of the trip is and, and who who goes. And on this trip we had members from the tourism community, so Māori tourism through Tourism New Zealand, Auckland Airport. There was big exporters, Silverfin Farms, Westbury, um, and Fonterra. And then there was a number of us that were tech companies. Um, so a, a company called Parkable, um, Ubico, which is a mobility, uh, electric mobility um, bike, um, and um, Aura, which is a retail. Um, sort of to, to, to reduce retail crime as well as a company called the Better Packaging Company which is reusing soft plastic and turning them into, into packaging and um, those sort of three groups of, of companies none of us were competing and so we, we as, a, as a group were all able to um, sort of pile in and help support each other and promote each other and I think the connections we made it's a bit like going, going on school camp but different the connections that we made are probably going to be lifelong and I think we'll be continually um, supporting at, um, each other as businesses and that's going to be really good for New Zealand Inc. So in terms of it being a bit like a school camp, which I was about to ask you, was it like a school camp in terms <laughs> of the, because you had a dedicated bus, except that it was a plane. Well, yeah, a plane. So it was the, yeah, the Defence Force plane. Um, and so, so we, you know, that, that was what got us around the States. And thank goodness for that, because we wouldn't have got a nearly as much as what we did if we if we had to check in, in luggage. But it did mean that things like uh, one, one morning we were heading down to Washington DC and then back to Boston. And we had to be in the hotel lobby at 4.30 in the morning and uh, to get our bags on the on the flight, the Defence Force needed the bags the night before. And so our checked in luggage had to be delivered before 10.30 the night before and you just had to carry on for the, for the day. So 4.30 in the morning is a little bit early to be having breakfast and um, off, off we went to the airport and on the plane, but the flight was so short that they couldn't provide any service. And so just for those coffee drinkers out there, at this point they're starting to get a bit, bit antsy. Then we had the Prime Minister with us, and so, so we landed at um, the Air Force Base there, and because uh, there was a motorcade, and none, none of the business delegation, I think, had ever been in a motorcade before. <laughs> so we're looking at that going, oh, this is going to be exciting. And sure enough, Washington do do motorcades. They know they know how to do that. Um, I, 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 I recognise that the police were experienced. Although, and I suppose this is a bit of an in-joke, uh, the bus with the business delegation um, has a, had a user interface um, issue and that it was the only vehicle in the delegation that was painted white. And it was also the last, sorry, in the motorcade that was painted, it was also the last one. And um, it also was the biggest and possibly didn't have quite as much um, torque, engine power as the others. So occasionally we sort of dropped off the back of the motorcade and that really upset the situation because traffic would move in. And so then the police would, would, would come in and usher them out in a not very friendly way, sirens going <laughs> and sort of pushed pushed out of the way so that we were we were caught up. And so we, yeah, we arrived at the capital and um, we were then ushered straight into it to a meeting with one of the, one of the um, congressmen. 
um, and then had a tour of the capital. And it wasn't till about two o'clock in the afternoon that those that needed coffee got a coffee fix. And that was a little bit challenging. So it, those, I suppose, those kind of experiences, um, yeah, which are a bit school camp-esque, um, that that we um, certainly had, and it was very, yeah, very, very enjoyable. But it was very, we weren't always with the prime minister, so she was often in, in other meetings, and we would we would be doing doing separate things. Um, but we were always our our timetable was very much dictated by the visits and the the um, meetings that she had. And some long days. Very long days, yes. So that that four thirty in the morning one finished um, in Boston with a networking event on a boat trip, um, and so a, a, the official program finished at um, half past eight that evening. So that was a definitely a, a, a very long day. I, I I wasn't. I don't know whether I ever actually suffered from jet lag. Because I I wasn't sure which which way was up or which city I was in um, most days. Was there much downtime? No, no. I, uh, about two two hours that weren't sort of pro programmed um, in in the days. I think we had yeah an hour in um, San Francisco, um, and an hour in Seattle to to see the sights. Oh, so I managed. 45 minutes to, for a walk around um, Boston. Must give you some insight as to the, the life of the, the travelling Prime Minister or other politicians on that sort of that sort of trip. That, that sort of trip and I, I mean we, I, I felt um, very lucky that we were we left the um, Prime Minister on Sunday and, and travelled back to New Zealand and, and they were travelling back across to Washington for um, the meetings with um, the president and vice president. And so that was another five hour plane trip across the states and six hours back before getting on the plane and coming back to, to New Zealand to, and then back up and going. So how, how uh, those officials yeah, manage that schedule, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm in admiration. And having to be like peak performance all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, one of one of the one of the situations where we were, um, and, I, and I felt that she really was at, at peak performance was with um, BlackRock. Um, so it was the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that we were meeting with, and there was sort of seventeen of them on one side of the table and seventeen of us on the other side of the table, which. I don't know whether that was really a, a networking lunch, but that, that's how it was, was set out. And we had a had our place place names, and it was such a big table you had to had to hit the the microphone to be able to be heard. Um, and uh, so, and I'd come to listen to to the prime minister, and so she just kindly said before she started speaking, "Look, I expect you all to eat." But she was speaking while we were eating, and then the you know food was taken away, and I'm not quite sure what what she managed to to, to get in. But then fielded questions from the Chamber of Commerce, and one in particular um, came from a, a pharmaceutical company who was suggesting that perhaps we should be pay, paying paying more. And um, she handled that very well, I thought, and and just reminded them about what we had done and what we had done for our Pacific neighbours. It was awesome. What sort of things did the Americans have to say about New Zealand? Uh, gen generally, especially when I talked about what I was doing, I'd get raised eyebrows as to, so this comes from New Zealand. We watch our, ba you know, our baseball graphics and our golf graphics all come comes from New Zealand. So in my experience, I, I was often um, surprising the people as to what we could do. And I really feel that 
as a country, we need to remember that we produce some pretty awesome tech down here and we need to not be afraid that we're at the bottom of the world. Um, we, we need to be out there tell, telling the world how, how awesome we are and um, you know, sh- showing them how to do it um, rather than sort of apologising for being a, a 12-hour or 18-hour fl- flight away. Um, there's amazing stuff coming from here and you know, we really do punch above our weight, especially when we work together. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou, ko ho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more who you are. A triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here and things better thank you now i know that for us all this has been a tricky time and we've had more than two years now of ongoing learning and growth together and of course it's very important that we look back on this time that we and feel a sense of immense accomplishment gigantic gratitude and a sense of all of the shared experiences which can draw upon going forward This global pandemic has been a great leveller and of course for all of us it has affected us in different ways. I know for myself so many aspects of my own identity have been disrupted and had to shift and change and of course this inspires a sense of resilience in the aspects of ourselves that survive and that and of course our essential nature is infinite thus eternally. Our essential nature is always there as a place of sanctuary and an inner stillness and inner always there. I think it's particularly important at the moment that we acknowledge as much as some aspects of our world are returning to ways that they have been, others are not and we all need time to process, understand the changes that have taken. This can lead to us feeling quite vulnerable and it's important to talk about that. It's important to share our vulnerability in ways that we feel comfortable with, even if that's just with ourselves, and look for ways to support and care for ourselves and each other in this time of great vulnerability. It's so important, of course, when we are feeling vulnerable and when we are dealing with circumstances that create a sense of vulnerability, that we see the bigger picture, that at times all life is vulnerable and we would not be where we are we would not be who we are if it wasn't for our ability to meet that vulnerable place within us and each other with compassion with understanding that we can be there for one another that we can support each other that we can listen to one another that we can listen to ourselves and we can allow ourselves to speak we can allow one another to speak And the most loving thing that we can do is listen. And of course, this inner nurture within us all is there with the compassion that we need. When those around us may be struggling, may be behaving quite differently, when circumstances have changed for those we love and for ourselves, that inner nurture and their compassion is so important to access. 
of course so much changes all the time and so the opportunity to meet these changes with compassion to ask for help and to look for aspects of our lives to inspire a sense of gratitude and an insp- inspire a sense of security and safety is really helpful really important and of course for me this is always the living world the natural world which i I'm so grateful to be a part of and by really appreciating those finer details of growth and change the beauty within that process the beauty of vulnerability the beauty of the process of the inner nurture coming forward all these things are a great comfort to me so I really hope for you wherever you are and whatever's happening around you This can be a time of great and pleasure for you. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Cheryl Adams. Cheryl, Mawera's not here today, but if she was, she would be asking questions about how we inspire young people into the sorts of creative, technical roles that you do and are responsible for. You got any thoughts on that? I have plenty of thought, thoughts on this. Is, this, is, this is, if you want me on my soapbox, you've, you've just, just got me there. Um, especially uh, um, our Wahine um, and other under, underrepresented groups in the tech world. And uh, one of the big things I think is it falls on, on the adults in the room. And I think that if, if somebody comes home and says, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about IT, especially a girl, they might go, oh, that's nice, dear, but perhaps do something else, something a bit more more productive with your time, without realising just how much tech is used in any business. And I'm a big big believer of, you know, you either code or you'll be coded. And so understanding what what tech can do, I, I think, regardless whether you're the marketing manager or or the CFO, I think it's really important. I think we lose our children between 8 and 13, so when they're making that, those NCEA choices for their um, year 11 subjects, so we, we need to hit hit that sort of late late, late primary school, um, very early high school is, is where, where we need to be focused. Um, I certainly am out um, being as available as I can to, to that age group because I think that often people need to see it to believe it. Um, my background, I've, I've got a mechanical engineering degree. And it turns out I, I partly chose that because of a scholarship that way back in the day, it was the DSIR, the Department of Scientific and Industrial Research, that were encouraging women, Māori and, and Pacific Islanders into non-traditional areas. So mechanical engineering fell into that. And sure enough, I was one of three in a class of 57. But I quite enjoyed being different. And I, I'm conscious that that's not the case for every young young woman or young minority group person it's it's often about wanting to be part of the tribe and um, so i think it's important we get the messages out how diverse the careers are in it you don't have to be a maths guru to to be an it person we need people that can actually create beautiful things or else if you get a software developer to do the user interface for a program it's going to look like a software developer did it it will be all squares and, and rectangles and black and white, um, whereas you get somebody that understands colours and how they look together and that human interaction and you'll get a beautiful app that you love love using. Um, I'd love to see um, us get, get rid of the pink and blue aisles in, in the warehouse 
that drives me insane every time I'm 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 buying um, presents for, for for kids that I find myself <laughs> gravitating to the blue aisle for the girls. Going, you can do this too, and so it's a big societal problem. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we're going to break through that. And one of my my dreams is oh, I've said to a few people that I'm going to talk to every school child in Dunedin during their, their, their years here and so I'm often out, out talking to schools so that's what I'm doing personally. I know I'm realizing that, that doesn't scale um, worldwide and so these, these kind of things are useful too. Um, and one of, uh, one of the things that we have here in Dunedin, I love Dunedin Ventures do a woman you can bank on event sort of about this time of year so middle, middle of the year. I am um, hoping that one day we'll have a, a sister event to that, which might be a, a daughter day or a, a, a tech day or a, a children, a children, um, but encouraging both the parents and the kids to see what careers there could be and what we could what we could do in this space. Um, I could go on, but yeah, I, I just think we need more and more stories about how important and how good um, tech is. The theme of this show is positive but not deluded, although in the last few weeks we've been convinced to add a dash of deluded. Where does that positive mindset sit for you? Uh, I, I think I'm probably um, relentlessly positive. Um, I, I <laughs> whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I, I certainly yeah, see, see problems as opportunities, as um, wait, wait, yeah, ways to ch change things to, to get things better. So, yeah, is is that deluded? I don't think so. Um, I as a, uh, my leadership style is one where I think my job is to get rid of the roadblocks when the team can work the magic. And as long as I've I've given them the ability to to do what they they um, need to do, and and a bit of guidance as to what direction we're heading in, um, then amazing stuff can happen. And yeah, that team, the, the more diverse that team is, the better those outcomes will be. And it certainly is magic, the work that they do. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have the exponents. I nearly said the dance exponents. The exponents. Christchurch, why this one? Well, I, I grew up in the middle of the Canterbury Plains on a sheep crop farm. I went to uh, boarding school in Christchurch, and that was just as the, the dance exponents were turning into the exponents. Um, they were one of the very first bands that I went and saw. I can't think what the pub was called, but I, I, I can can see the inside um, and really enjoyed it. And this song always takes me back to Christchurch, especially you know on Cashel Street. I wait. Uh, there was many times I was waiting on Cashel Street. <laughs>
We have seen lots of societal change in the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? I, I do think we've got better at tech. I mean, even our parents can use Zoom now, which you know they didn't, didn't always, and I think that people are less afraid of it. Um, that, that said, we do need to be careful. Um, yeah, I'm just starting to read a book called um, Tech, you know, t t Tools and Weapons. Um, so I think we've got to be very careful um, where we're going. Um, I think we we're also have become more conscious how being together is important for our mental health. And I hope that we continue that. I think that we, we learned some lessons from the first lockdown to the second lockdown about how big, how big our bubbles needed to be to keep everybody um, healthy. Do you think that there are lessons for the bigger sorts of challenges that we face as society from the pandemic and the pandemic response? And I'm thinking of things like climate change. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. And I suppose our example about how we have significantly reduced our footprint is a, is a great great example of that. Um, I, I, uh, um, working from home is something that people enjoy and you know that requires less, less transport too. Um, that said, uh, I do think that if you're gonna, in a creative space, yeah, again, you need to be talking to people. Um, it's very difficult to be creative over Zoom. So there's that, that balance there. Uh, I, I think, and again, relentlessly optimistic, um, I feel that I, I, um, we will be able to solve these problems. We just need to put our mind to it. We've solved a hell of a lot through the, the pandemic. Um, I think we need to get our mind into climate change and really pull together. You've demonstrated that the technical can be done remotely. Are you going to need to have people travelling for building those relationships and, and making the connections and finding opportunities? Uh, yes, absolutely. And I, I think you, you definitely need to. When, and when you, you know, a bit of a debrief of uh, what, what's coming for the next year, what are some ideas, what have you seen, those sorts of conversations still need to be had in person. So travel is still a thing. I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, for me, uh, it was the teaming up with Methodist Mission South and we have developed a pilot program for delivering numeracy and literacy training to adults. We've um, put it into the Otago Corrections Facility and that's in particular for neurodiverse adults that have fallen out of the school system. And this enables them to learn in a whole different way to what pen and paper does and much more engaging. That's a long way from 3D graphics of votes. Mm, it's, my, it's my other passion. Uh, that's my other soapbox. Well, we didn't have time for that one. <laughs> so we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Oh, it has to be relentlessly positive, I think. We've said it a few times. It's, it's still there, yeah. And and I, I I generally think I can land a message pretty well. That's part of that positivity. You know, I look for what's going to be good. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? If you'd asked me that question ten years ago, I would have said no. Um, I'm certainly not the person that's out the front of the protest that's walk, walking down the street, but I'm very very passionate about getting people into tech. What's the the smallest thing that we could do that would have the biggest impact in that direction? 
the smallest thing you could do is um, not not say no when when your child's interested. And I'm not talking about consuming tech. That's a, a different thing. I'm not talking about screens and, and social media and, and watching stuff. It's um, how, how does this work? Like actually have have some some yeah, conversations with our children about how stuff works. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I I really like sunrise. <laughs> and and I think why I, why I like the sunrise is because there's so there's so much opportunity in the day. It's an opportunity to 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 change things, to do things better. So every day is a is a, a new new day to to make make change for good, and I love it. Even if the sunrise is quite late at the moment. Well, there is that, but they're beautiful at the moment. They're <laughs> stunning, like amazing. Yeah, the winter winter sunrise and the, and the clouds and the, the colours. Uh, it's just yeah, and I'm I'm lucky enough that I uh, see that first thing in the morning, and it um, yeah fills me with joy. And what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Uh, um, for me personally, I probably need to get a bit better at working out um, what's important versus what's urgent to, to do um, and, and focus a little bit more on the important. Um, I, I love to help people, um, so I need to be a little bit more um, careful at what I take on and you know what I, when I say no. Um, so again, it's that difference between important stuff and urgent stuff, and yeah, making more time for the important to make to make the change that I want to see. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, where, where shall I start? Um, I think um, smiling more is always good, and there's there's research that says if you you know put put your mouth into a smile, and um, it it'll um, make you more positive. I used to. When walking to university, if I was having a bad day, I used to count how many people I could make smile, and I was always in a much better mood by the time I got there. So I, I highly recommend that. And, and the other thing uh, I, I always get frustrated is when people say, follow your passion. It's like, well, what's that? I don't know what my passion is. And that's exactly right. You won't know what your passion is. So that, do, do what you enjoy doing and see where it leads you, because I think your passion only comes after you've spent time gaining mastery. And you've worked out yeah, what it, what it is that you are passionate about. So that's that that'd be the two bits of advice that I'd give the people listening. They are very good indeed. Thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's been great. When I see you smile, it feels like I'm falling. It's not for anybody else to know. The way your face could light the bitter dark of every street in every town I'll ever go. It's not for anybody else to know. For anybody else to know. When I see you smile, first thing in Curtains on your lazy 
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Vic Runger. When I see you smile. I'm Samuel Madden, Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I've been joined today by Cheryl Adams in central Dunedin. Now that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.